Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Right on. You be seated, Grace City, Tampa. And uh, uh, man, I'm excited um, uh, to be here. It's, it, it's good uh, uh, to see. I, I feel like I'm meeting like like my grandchild for the first time. That, that's, that's, really, uh, that's really what this feels like. And uh, um, it really is an honor uh, to be here. I know I was jealous of Christina because Christina got to be here on opening day and, uh, and I had to wait a few weeks to be out here. Um, but uh, it's been amazing to hear and to see pictures and to talk to Alex and, and to talk to the team and just really hear the amazing things that God is doing. And I just wanna say this, if maybe you're new, maybe you started coming, maybe today is your first Sunday or maybe last Sunday was your first Sunday, uh, you're in the right place. You, gotta, you, don't, you don't gotta keep looking. Uh, you don't gotta keep trying things out. I, I believe that you'll look back on this day in about five years and you'll go, oh, I was there at the beginning. Everybody else came and jumped on and, uh, and that's cute and that's nice and we're glad to have you, uh, but I was here at the very beginning and, uh, and there's something to be said about being somewhere at the beginning. Right? There's something to be said about that. And as, as somebody who, you know, I, I get the honor of pastoring kind of the whole of Grace City. And I remember um, six years ago, we just celebrated six years of Grace City Church as a whole. Uh, and uh, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, and we've seen uh, over 7,000 decisions for Christ uh, in, in six years. And we've seen God move. And, uh, and it was so fun. I was just at uh, a Kingdom Builders uh, lunch with, with some of the people that really serve in our church in the area of generosity. And, uh, and it was so cool to kind of talk to them. And so many of them had been there like within the first six months. And I'll tell you what, man, uh, let me just tell you this. You will have a special place in your pastor's heart. <laughs> You'll have a special place in Alex's heart. If in five years you're having a conversation, oh, I started coming three weeks in and there's just something unique about it. So I just want to say thank you so much to everybody that's serving. Thank you so much to everybody that's giving. Thank you so much for everybody that's praying. Uh, amazing things like this don't just happen. It comes with a lot of sacrifice. And so uh, come on, can we honor Alex and Brianna Damare and just give it up for them and their kids and the rest of the team, the whole staff. I'm just so grateful. Uh, uh, for the whole staff and, and uh, Grayson, you're getting married January 2nd. Come on, that's exciting. It's very exciting. Um, and I think you met your fiance at Grace City Church. You did. Fr at Friendsgiving. Yeah, so I don't want to say like I am exclusively, you know, that I exclusively deserve the credit. But I'm not going to not say that I don't exclusively deserve the credit as well, but excited for you, man. January 2nd, that, that's, uh, that's coming up. And obviously, come on, do you appreciate uh, uh, Bobby and Kenzie McGinnis? Come on, don't you love them? I love them so much and uh, so grateful for them. And I'm, I'm just so grateful, honestly, for the whole team here, just the quality of, of excellence. Um, come on, this church is, what, five weeks old, and just the quality of everything is absolutely unbelievable. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna preach, I'm gonna preach. I just, I could go on and on. Open up your Bibles with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 26. But before we get into Matthew 26, I do wanna, I think I have a picture of my family. Can you guys, so this is my crew right here. Um, for those that maybe you, you never came out to Lakeland, um, uh, this is my crew. Uh, that is my wife, Christina. She is a beast. Uh, she has 
two master's degrees. She's working her way through her PhD right now. Uh, she travels and preaches and, and writes and uh, uh, is a professor of psychology, is a counselor. I get all the free counseling I never want. It's amazing, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, uh, and then those are uh, our children are, uh, in fact, there'll be three next month. Uh, uh, our, our twins, uh, that is Justice Andrew Guard there, my little guy, he's the best. And, uh, and that is my daughter, the crown jewel of our home, Adriana Grace, Adriana Grace. And uh, some of you uh, know our story, some of you don't. You know, we prayed and tried to have children uh, for almost 10 years, almost a decade. And uh, how many of you know, uh, you know, God doesn't always come exactly when you expect him to, but he's always right on time. And, uh, and I'm so grateful uh, that, that those two gifts of ours are literal miracles that we prayed for for 10 years. And so you might be in this room and maybe you're struggling with infertility. I just wanna say, man, God's good, God's gracious, God's patient, and God's kind. And so just stay on the journey with them. Stay faith-filled, stay stirred up, and, uh, and I just believe good things are out in front of you. Well, I was trying to think, uh, what do you preach uh, to our first location? Which, by the way, you're the first location. You'll, you'll always be the first. You are the first location ever in 10 years. Tampa will have always been the first location outside of our main hub. And, and, uh, and so I thought, man, what do I want to preach? And what I really want to preach today, honestly, I want to preach my life message. I want to preach the one thing that, that, that I've preached all around the world that, that I've had the opportunity to share. And, uh, and so if you're taking notes, which I strongly encourage, I, I want you to write this down. I'm, I'm calling this message, When Two Lines Meet. When two lines meet. You know, the way that God works is he uses people. And don't you think, would this thing be so much easier if he just like didn't? <laughs> it would be so much easier if I just said, hey guys, um, we have a special guest speaker. His name is uh, Jesus Christ. He's from Nazareth. And he's just gonna come down here and he's just gonna like levitate Chris Angel style right here for about five minutes. And he's gonna say, hey guys, I'm real. And then we're all gonna bow our heads and I'm gonna say, who wants to get saved? And every hand will go up. That'd be so much easier, would it not? And yet from the beginning of time, since the fall of Adam and Eve, God has used fallible people, imperfect people to propagate his message. Time and time again, God has used people that don't have it all together and don't have all the answers and that aren't perfect and that are on the journey themselves. God has used people. And you gotta be careful that you aren't disqualifying something that God has qualified. And, and I wanna read out of Matthew chapter 26, verse six. One of the more, one more, for me, one of the more fascinating stories that captured my attention a long time ago when I was reading the Bible. It says, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they're all frustrated. They were indignant saying, why this waste? for this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. And then in verse 12, I love this. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Let's pray together this morning over the preaching of God's word. God, I thank you so much. God, that you wanna use every single person in this room. 
whether they fully believe it or fully acknowledge it or not, you have a desire to use us. You have a desire to use us in such a way that we would make a difference in the lives of our coworkers, in the lives of our classmates, in the lives of our family and friends, God, that, that our lives would count for something bigger than ourselves. And God, we ask you to move. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, uh, you ever been inspired by how somebody lives their life? You, you just kind of, you, you're watching them live. Sometimes it's up close. Sometimes it's from afar. And you're just unbelievably inspired by the way that they are navigating. Now, what's interesting in life is that there are two types of people. And I just want to know so far what kind of people are coming to Gray City, Tampa. I want to know. So, for example, uh, there are a certain type of people that you are what I call the confrontational people. You just, you like confrontation. If there's confrontation at Walmart, you slow down. What's going on over there? Uh, I wonder what they're doing. You just, you like, let, let me see your hand. You like confrontation. Let me see your hand. I'm trying to, okay, cool. Right on, there's some of you. Now, now, now let me see you raise your hand. You're like not a confrontational person. You're like, I don't even really want to raise my hand. This feels like a lot. Like, let me see your hand. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah even this feels aggressive to you. Like, you're, you're just not a very confrontational person person. And, um, well, I remember I learned a lot of years ago that there's actually a third option because the reality is this, we have all seen damage that has been done by living in these two extremes, right? We, we've all probably have done some serious damage by being overly confrontational. Come on. You ever been like overly confrontational and then right after the confrontation and you're like, whoa, like I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at my father, like something, <laughs> Like, I got some things to work out. I got, I, like, like, that could not have been about that. And all of us at times have, have maybe done some damage because we didn't handle confrontation very well. Con conversely, we have all seen damage done when we avoid confrontation altogether. In fact, I think a lot of times marriages would be in a better place when instead of letting stuff just fester, we actually had the conversations that, that we needed to have. I think friendships um, would be actually a lot better and maybe even your relationship with your coworkers or classmates would be a heck of a lot better that if instead of letting things fester, right, which is, which is really when you just have the debate in the shower. You, you ever argue with the other person in the shower but they're not there? Like, by the way, I've never lost one of these debates. Like when I'm in the shower and I'm like debating their point and my point and I go point and counterpoint, I'm pretty undefeated. Like I have a lot of mic drop moments. I've never lost one of those debates. And so you found yourself, you've, you haven't had the conversation with them. You've been so non-confrontational that you've just been letting it fester in your own soul and that's done damage as well. And there's a third approach that I think we are called as believers in Jesus Christ, if you're following God in here this morning, that we are called to take and it's this idea of engagement. We are called to live as engaged people in our current world. That is how God has equipped us and called us to live. Not overly confrontational and not passive, lacking all confrontation, but to live engaged lives. And I remember, I, I learned this lesson a while back. Uh, Christine and I, we pastored in the Washington, D.C. area right out of college. And we were young adults pastors there. And, and, uh, and I was on the metro on one particular occasion. And I was with one of my mentors there. And, and we're on the metro and we're kind of talking and uh, me and him are sitting there and there's this little kid on the metro and he's kind of doing little kid things. He's standing on the seats and he's, he's doing little kid things. And his mom's trying to get him to stop. His mom's trying to get him to stop. 
And you can feel it boiling over. You can, you can feel it escalating to the point where she looks at her like five-year-old son and she says, stop it, stupid. And now I wasn't a parent at the time, but even I knew. <laughs> Probably not the best approach, right? And, and have you ever been in a moment like that though? And you felt like somebody should say something. Like not me. But like somebody, like somebody should say, not me, but somebody should say something. And while I was having this awkward moment of sitting there and going, oh man, I can't believe that lady said that to her son. My mentor leaned over. It was so gangster. He leaned over and he says, ma'am, the word stupid is not easily forgotten. And he just leaned back. And I was over here like, that's right. Like, that's what's up. Like, right. <laughs> and I got to be honest. I really wish that I could tell that story in first person. I, I really wish I could, I could have told that story. And when I told the story, it wasn't my mentor, that it was me that leaned over and said, ma'am, the word stupid is not easily forgotten. I, I wish that was me. But at that season of my life, I didn't understand that God was calling me to engagement. And I remember talking to my mentor, Monty, and I said, dude, how did you decide that you would say something in that environment? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, I just made a decision at some point in my life that if it was happening around me, then God has placed me there to make a difference in it. He just said, man, if it was going on around me, I wasn't just going to let things just go on around me without engaging it. Well, uh, uh, fast forward the tape, because how many of you know when you learn a lesson, it takes a season or it takes a little while to work out that lesson? And so uh, years later, I was pastoring. Now we're kind of back in Washington State, which is kind of our, our original kind of uh, home area. And, uh, and I was at, and by the way, there is a place for the confrontational people where I can pretty much guarantee after about 9 or 10 p.m., if you want to see confrontation, you can see confrontation. I can, you can book it. And if you want to see confrontation, just go to Walmart after 10 p.m. I'm telling you, you will see some wild confrontation. Go to the ER room at about midnight. Like you will see some wild confrontation. And I remember I was at Walmart getting dog food. This is back when my wife had tricked me and, uh, uh, into owning a dog. And, uh, and I was buying dog food and, uh, and I, was, I was checking out, right? It was late at night, about 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night. And I, I was checking out and, uh, and I went to those, uh, like set one of the self-checkout. Aren't, aren't those awesome? By the way, I love, I love the self-checkout, and, and I was there, and I noticed that there was some confrontation getting ready to start taking place, and it was with this lady that was checking her stuff out, and then the person who has like the greatest job in America, which is to sit there and to not do anything except oversee the six kiosks. Like, that's a great job, right? Their goal, their, their literal job is to just sit there and observe, and then if something happens, a little light goes on, and they run over That's their job, that, that, that's, that, that's what they do. And, uh, and so, uh, so this lady was checking her stuff out and the same thing, she had a son, a small son with her and he, was, he kept crawling on one of the other self-checkout kiosks. And he's like scanning himself and, and he's standing on the conveyor belt and like he's dancing, it was an awesome kid, right? Awesome kid. And, and, and the lady that's working here looks at her and says, hey ma'am, uh, your son, he's climbing on the, uh, the, the checkout thing. Uh, can you please get him down? And I can tell it really bothered the lady. I'm like, this is gonna escalate. 
This is gonna escalate. And, and, and so she gets her son down, but she's huffing and puffing and she's upset. She, she takes her son down and, and, and she, starts, she starts checking out again. And again, the kid gets back up, right? Doing kid stuff, that's what kids do, right? And he gets up there and he's dancing on the thing and she says again, hey, hey, ma'am, um, your son, he's back on, he's scanning himself, he's doing it again. <laughs> Can you please get him, get him down? And, and she was being very sweet, very kind. And this lady looks at the, at the worker and she says, well, if you would do your bleeping job, I could get the bleep out of here. Woo! Walmart, 10.30. And I looked at it and I go, I, I, my instincts kicked in. Because I remember what Monty had said. And I says, whoa, 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 whoa. Literally, whoa, 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 ma'am. Uh, you, you don't need to talk to her like that. That feels really unnecessary. You don't need to talk to her like that. And she looked at me and said, well, who the bleep are you? And I said the first thing, that this, word for word, what I said, I said, ma'am, I'm the guy that's not gonna let you talk to her like that. Get some. I don't know why I said get some. I don't know why I said get some. Like, am I gonna fight this like middle-aged woman in Walmart at 10th? I'm a college pastor in the city. Like, I don't know why I said get some. But, but, but I, just, I just made a decision at some point that if it was happening around me, it was happening to me. See, this will always come down in your life to this. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to the things around you? And I'm so grateful that my life was transformed because somebody was paying attention. In fact, I remember um, I, I didn't grow up in this church game. I didn't grow up in this thing. And, and the first time that I'd ever been in a church environment in my whole life wasn't actually even in church. It was at a college gym. And I got invited to uh, this event where Daryl Scott was gonna be speaking and his daughter was Rachel Scott and she was uh, one of the students that died in the Columbine shootings. And, and so I went to this event because it was national news. I didn't even know it was a church event. I didn't know it was put on by a church. I didn't know there was gonna be like singing and worship and people doing weird stuff like lifting up their hands and pointing to the sky and nobody's there. Like I just, I didn't know. And, and, and I go and I get in and Daryl Scott is speaking and he's really just, sharing his daughter's faith and sharing her trust that she had in Jesus. And I remember sitting there and, uh, and the hair's literally standing up on the back of my neck because like the Holy Spirit is just like, like working on me. And, and, and I remember at the end, he said, hey, um, with every head bowed and eyes closed, I, I want you to raise your hand if you felt something like you never felt before. So boom, my hand goes up. And he says, okay, um, if that's you and you wanna accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, we want you to start making your way up. And there's thousands of people in this gym. And I remember going, I ain't going up there. Like, this is a cult. <laughs> but my hand stayed up. And a bunch of people are going up. And, and, and I remember my hand stayed up and I'm looking around. And I'm like, nah, I'm not gonna go up. But my hand never came down. And legitimately, after about two full minutes of my hand doing this, and people by the droves going up, this guy named Ryan Ryan comes and taps me on the shoulder. I don't know, man. Ryan Ryan. First name Ryan, last name Ryan. I don't know. <laughs> and he taps me on the shoulder, and he was sitting three rows up, and, and he was just peeking just to see who was raising their hand. And he said, this is all he said. I'll take you up there if you want me to. And I remember I was 17 years old, and that was all I needed. And Ryan Ryan took me up there, and I remember how, uh, you know, I took these guys' hands, and we were praying, and they were explaining, like, what salvation was to me, him and these two college guys that had been trained for this, and, and, and they were talking about how Jesus is the bridge between deity and humanity. They're, like, rhyming so you know it's fact. 
and all these cute phrases and all this stuff and, and, and I'm praying and I'm like, and they're like, okay, like, you know, let's pray. And I remember we started, we started praying and I started bawling. I, I prayed what we call in the church, the sinner's prayer. I just said, dear Jesus, come into my life, make me brand new. They're leading me through this prayer. And come on, you ever cry? And I mean that cry, cry. Come on, you ever cry so hard you gotta go look at yourself in the mirror? Well, you ever cry? You're like, I gotta see this. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta see myself. I'm crying so hard. I'm crying that kind of tears. And, and, and I, I remember after this, I'll never forget it. Afterwards, uh, Ryan asked me, he says, hey, well, what do you typically do uh, during, during lunch? And I'm like, well, we have off-campus lunch, so usually me and my friends go out. And he says, well, um, I'll pick you up if you want me to, and I'll take you out to lunch. We can talk about the decision you made. So the next day, now what I didn't know at the time, but I know now, is that uh, Ryan lived in a place called Gig Harbor, Washington. I lived in a place called Puyallup, Washington. It was about a 35 minute drive, one direction. So he was in finance, so he had the margin in his schedule that he could drive 30, 35 minutes, one direction to pick up a high school kid. And he took me out to lunch. He he took me to Wendy's where God dwells. And, uh, and he took me out to lunch and he gave me a book called 50 Days to a Firm Foundation, which was kind of like Purpose Driven Life or Purpose Driven Life came out. It was like a daily devotional. And then, and he gave me my first Bible and we talked for an hour and he says, hey, well, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, same thing. And he goes, okay, I'll, I'll pick you up again. But for the first 30 days of my walk with Jesus, Ryan Ryan drove 30, 35 minutes, one direction, picked up a high school kid, took me out to lunch. And we talked about that day's reading. For the next 20 days, every other day or so, he would come out. And, so, and, and the days that he didn't come out, we, we at least talked on the phone. So for, for the first 50 days of, of my newfound relationship with Jesus, I had a guy named Ryan Ryan took me out to lunch about 35 to 37 times during the first 50 days. That minimum when we talked on the phone every day. And I'll never, ever, ever forget on day 50. We talked on the phone, and at the end of it, Ryan says, hey, I just want to let you know I feel like my assignment with you is up. And now, when I was 17, new believer, I didn't understand that language. But he said, I feel like my assignment with you is up and I just trust that God's gonna keep you and that God's gonna use you in a profound way. I'm praying for you, my wife is praying for you, our church is praying for you, and God's gonna use you in a profound way. And he hung up the phone. And for almost 20 years, we didn't talk after that day. And I I, I share that with you to say that it would be impossible for me to tell my story without talking about Ryan Ryan. And I bet you probably have some people, if you're talking about the, the past of your life and, and how it looks, you could probably put some people's names in there. There's probably some people that you could talk about and say, man, it would be, in fact, you might be with some of them in church right now that would say, man, I, I'm trying this Jesus thing out. I'm, I'm new to church. I'm new to this. And you would not be able to include, uh, you would not be able to talk about your faith journey or your life journey without including that person. And here's my point. My only point today is this, is that God brings his plan together through the daily interactions of bold and faithful people. God brings his plan together by literally just bold and faithful people stepping out and saying, God, I want you to make a difference in my life. As I've gotten older, here's what I've come to realize. This game does not go to the most talented. It doesn't go to the best. It just goes to people that say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to stand in the gap and I'm gonna be awake and I'm gonna be aware and I'm gonna be engaged and I'm not gonna just sit back when there are things you're calling me to do. Out here, and I love in Matthew chapter 26, you have this story, right? It says, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, just right there, that's a bummer if you're Simon. Like if you're Simon, you're like, bruh, I got this skin disease, it's temporary. 
And now it's in the Bible forever. You know, like what if you had like athlete's foot at one season of your life? And you were like Tanya, the athlete's foot girl for the rest of your life. Simon's like, yo, this is temporary. Like I don't have it anymore. It says a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. She poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And the disciples see it and they're frustrated and they say, why this waste? What a weird scene, by the way, that's going on. It's a weird scene because they're at Simon the Leper's, which the reason why the Bible puts that in there is they're not supposed to be at his house. His condition was so recent that, that they shouldn't be there. And then you have this woman, like people don't even know. The disciples are frustrated. Like, I don't even know how this woman got in. Like this woman's there, other randoms are there. The like this is a pretty wild scene. It's an uncontrolled scene. And we are living in an increasingly controlled environment. Like, you, ever, you ever find yourself almost being like a little neurotic that you're trying to control everything? Like you, you, I, I think we spend way too much time trying to control all of our environments. In, in, fact, it, in fact, for me, one of the scariest moments when I go to a wedding is walking up to see uh, where am I sitting for the reception? Anybody else? Oh, that, that, uh, anxiety, that gives me anxiety, right? Because then I'm sitting there and it's like, do I like the people, do I not? Um, do we know each other? Do I have to have the same conver conversation 18 times? I, I just, I, I don't know, I just feel weird about it. Or, or, or have you ever went out to lunch like after church and there's like 10 people going out and, and here's what we do. Now we don't do this out loud because we want people to think we're better than we are, but we do it in, in, internally. What we do is that whenever we go out to eat with a big group of people, we rank them. We rank them. We don't do this, we don't even do this consciously always, we do it subconsciously. And here's what we mean. These are the people of these 10 that I would most like to sit next to. And these are the people that if they're at the other end of the table, I'm fine. It's not gonna change my lunch experience too much, right? And I don't know if you've ever done this, you look like better people than me, but if you're, you ever walk into an environment like this and you're trying to time when you sit Okay, there's like eight of us in here that do that. Awesome, okay. And, and, and you ever walk in and you're kind of like, okay, okay, wh okay, where is so-and-so? Okay, okay, I wanna sit there. Okay, are you with me? Okay, 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 okay. We're sitting, we're sitting, we're sitting, we're sitting, we're sitting. Victory, I did good, I did good, I did good. I'm okay. We spent a lot of time trying to, trying to manipulate and trying to, trying to control our environment. What's interesting is I find that we would rather have a predictable and controlled experience than a potentially divine and intersecting experience. A lot of times we'd rather just have a very predictable, I know what I'm getting, we'd rather have an experience like that than a, I'm not really in control and anything can happen and maybe just maybe God will use me in this situation. We'd rather have a controlled environment than a potentially divinely inspired environment. And we gotta be careful that we're, we're not just doing all the work to manipulate everything. This is why, by the way, this is why your inner circle is so important. What I find fascinating is a lot of times in life, we invert these two. Meaning this, we're very careless with our inner circle, and then we're very selective with our external circle. And the reality is, the opposite is supposed to be the case. We, we are to be very selective in our inner circle. Jesus was selective in his inner circle. This is why all the time, I tell people all the time, look, you get to pick your friends, but you don't get to pick who you minister to. 
You get to pick your friends, but you didn't get to pick the person in your workplace that you sit next to that God has put you there to help them get through that painful experience in life that they are currently walking in. You get to pick your closest confidants. You get to pick your pastors. You get to pick your church. You get to pick your city. You get to pick those things, but you don't get to pick the classmates that you are doing school with that God has divinely put you next to to share your faith with. And I think too many times we spend, man, trying to control all the environment. And when we do that, we miss out on pretty awesome opportunities. I remember I was a senior in high school and uh, we, we had just left our, our senior prom. And, and when we left our senior prom, we had to stop at this gas station and then we were all going to like, um, you know, rich friend's cabin. Now, if you've heard me preach before, uh, there are characters uh, that emerge in my preaching. One of them is rich friend. I would encourage all of you to get a rich friend. I'm gonna pray the anointing of rich friend over your life. The God will give you. And if you're like, I don't have one of those, you might be rich friend. You're like, I don't know what you mean. You are probably rich friend. Like, you know, like rich friend has a trampoline in the backyard. Remember, remember rich friend, you over there, oh snap, he got a trampoline. Rich friend has Dr. Pepper. You had Mr. Pepper, you know what I mean? Like, rich friend shops for, shops for cereal like this. Some of you don't even get it. You're rich friend. The rest of us shop for cereal like this. If you don't get it, you're rich friend. Grateful for rich friend. And so we were going to rich friend's house after our senior prom. And, uh, and we stopped at this gas station. And I don't know why. Now, again, this wasn't the audible voice of God. I don't hear the audible voice of God, but I just had a sense that, that God was telling me we were in the middle of like, like Seattle and we're kind of, I couldn't even tell you where we were even now. And, and, and I just felt in my, in my gut that I was supposed to get out and go for a little walk. So I get out, people are getting gas. I get out and go for a walk. And one of my buddies is still my best friend to this day. People are like, oh, where's he going? My dad's like, where's he going? And I always did kind of weird stuff like this after I got saved. And my friend's like, oh, don't worry about it. He does this stuff all the time. And I got out, I just started walking. Now, mind you, I'm 18 years old in like a full-on tuxedo, senior prom. And I walk up and there's this lady waiting at the bus. And I say, hey, um, how's it going? And I start, start to engage her. And I say, hey, hey, you know, what are you doing? And she said, working. Now, the buses aren't running at this time. It's like 1 a.m. And I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. So I said, oh, well, what do you do? She said, whatever you want. I go, oh, good God. <laughs> oh, my. Mind you, 18-year-old kid, tuxedo. <laughs> 1 a.m. in the Seattle area. And what was interesting... <laughs> What was interesting is I started to engage her and what she began to tell me is that she actually had been prostituting herself out because she had just moved or really made her way to Seattle from Dallas because her young daughter, her like 14 year old daughter had ran away. And so in order to try to find her daughter and obviously she had fallen on hard times, uh, in order to find her daughter, this is kind of what she was doing. And I remember just engaging her in a conversation and that night literally got to, got to lead her in the Lord's prayer, got to lead her to a relationship with God. And now I, I gotta be honest, I, I, I wasn't comfortable. And at that time, I wasn't great necessarily at articulating the gospel, but I was awake yeah. and I was aware yeah. and I was engaged. And I think some of you, you're not being used to your fullest capacity because you find yourself in, an, in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. 
or you find yourself going, I don't really know what to say. That's okay. Sometimes, you know, the only thing worse than saying the wrong thing is saying nothing. And, and I think instead of just worrying about all that stuff, just, just to say, God, I'm available. God, I'm aware. And, and there's this crazy scene. And so I would encourage you to, to stop trying to control all the environment. There's this uncontrollable environment that's taking place. And then in verse 10, it says, but Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? I want to have the team come up. Uh, I want to finish with a couple thoughts here. But, but Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. What Jesus was saying is, hey, guys, you're missing it. The disciples were missing it. In, in fact, uh, have you ever seen, uh, it, it's, it's kind of like a Psych 101 video that they show in, in all these classes. And my wife is a, is a uh, psychology professor. And so I've seen this video a number of times. You probably uh, maybe have seen this video as well. But you remember the video where it's a bunch of kids and it'll say something, it'll be like a black screen and there'll be font on it. And it'll just say, um, how many times do the kids pass the ball? Remember, and, and there's like 10 kids, eight kids, like in a playground type setting, and they're just tossing the ball to each other, right? And they're tossing the ball. And, and, and if you've never seen this video, what do you do? You, you just start counting, right? You just start counting. One, two, three. You're like, I'm good at counting. I'm very good at this. Uh, if this is a test, I'm passing. And, and you get to the end, and it says, how many times did they pass the ball? And you're like, 11. I'm good at this. 11 times. And it doesn't even give you the answer. The, the next thing that comes on this black screen, it says, but did you see the gorilla? Have you ever, let me see if you've seen this video, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? It says, but did you see the gorilla? And you're like, huh? What do you mean the gorilla? Yeah, yeah, did you see the gorilla? And what they do is then they replay the video. And it's the kids passing the ball. And this, like, man dressed up in a gorilla costume that you did not notice and you did not see comes and stands right in the middle of the shot and literally goes like this. Stands for another like two or three seconds and then walks off. And you're like, what? And if you're like me, I'm like, I don't believe it. I think that's a second video. And so I go back and watch the original video where I was just like, like counting. And sure enough, this six foot two gorilla came and stood right in the middle of the shot and I didn't even notice. You wanna know what life's trying to do to you? You wanna know what our world culture's trying to do to you? It's trying to get you to stare at the screen and count the wrong things. It's trying to lull you to sleep. It's trying to get you to focus on your career above all else. It's trying to get you to focus on the fact that you're not good enough above all. It's trying to get you to focus on, I don't have this, I don't have that. that that's what Instagram is designed to do. That's what the internet is designed to do. That's what the, this world spirit is designed to do. It's to get you to, to just look at the screen and go, one, two, three, and go, I'm doing pretty good. But you missed the gorilla, bro. You didn't see the gorilla. And the gorilla is changed lives. The gorilla is sitting down with a friend that you desperately know needs hope and just going, hey man, I'm here for you. Man, we're looking at the screen and missing the gorilla. And it's okay to do that for a season, but what a tragedy it would be to go our entire lives 
and miss the things that really, really matter. See, the disciples, man, they're walking with Jesus, and that's great. You could be walking with Jesus and looking at the, and looking at the kids passing the ball the whole time. They're following Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, don't miss it. Now, here's what you gotta understand. Here's what you gotta understand. You're not always gonna have a wide open cue on what it looks like to step into a moment. Because the, the, the reality is this. Life is not a movie. You know what I love about movies is, is movies have soundtracks. And you ever watch in a movie and the music comes on and you're like, oh snap, this is about to be a moment. Why, because in movies, the music is the indicator that something profound is getting ready to happen. Like, in fact, what you gotta understand is there's no background music in real life. There's nothing cueing you other than your awareness and your spirit leading. See, see, oftentimes we think life is like this, and so we're waiting for moments that feel like this, but the reality is, go and stop playing the keys for a second, Wayne, just, just for a second. See, oftentimes we're waiting for like the moment and for me to like look at Alex and go, hey man, I just appreciate your leadership so much, and I'm grateful for you, and I think you're amazing, and I love the father you are and the husband you are, and, and it's amazing that this is you know, four or five weeks into what we're doing. This is amazing. Okay, go ahead and play keys again, please. Alex. <laughs> the first thing I just did, that's real life. There's no background music in real life. Some of you, you're waiting for like the Holy Spirit to like just levitate you to somebody. You're just waiting. Come on, some of you, you know your friends are hurting. You know your family's hurting. You know your coworkers hurting. You know they need to be in a space like this. I'm just waiting for the right time. You know it, but you're, but you're waiting. And I decided a long time ago, I'm done waiting. It's amazing what you and I will do if we know Jesus is in the room, huh? Like, Jesus says this. This woman moves and she does this powerful thing. Why? Because Jesus is in the room. And he says, truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So here's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, from now on, whenever my story's told, her story's told. Simply because she moved because I was in the room. You know what's interesting is a couple years ago, uh, I get a letter in the mail. And now Tuesdays, I don't go into the office because it's my study days. And so I kind of usually stay home and work or find a coffee shop. And uh, at that time, Matt Higgins was our director of operations. And he calls me and says, or actually, I'm sorry, he screenshotted a picture. And he says, dude, Ryan Ryan. Now our church and our staff has heard the Ryan Ryan story. But I don't think they thought it was real because it's so crazy. I didn't even know if I really thought it was real because it's so crazy. And his name's Ryan Ryan. Like this brother is an angel. Like this is like not a real person. And he sends me this letter and, and it's a letter from who else? Ryan Ryan. He goes, dude, Ryan Ryan. I'm like, dude, I'm on my way right now. I get in the car, I drive to our offices and I get this letter from Ryan Ryan. At this point, I hadn't talked to Ryan Ryan for 20 years. I'm gonna read the letter that, 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 he, that he sent to me. 
He said this, he says, Andrew, I've been meaning to send you a note of encouragement for some time. About a year ago, someone who heard you preach at a conference reached out to my wife and asked if we knew each other. Imagine that. See, what Ryan didn't know is I've been sharing the Ryan Ryan story all over the world for the last 20 years. He says, I'm so encouraged by what God has done in your life. When you're back in the Northwest, I'd love to catch up and I'd love to introduce you to my family, especially my 17-year-old son. He's getting ready to head into his senior year and I think he faces many of the same questions and challenges you did back when our, life, back when our lives crossed path almost 20 years ago. Anyway, enclosed are two checks from our family. One, to help support your church there in Florida and a second one for you and Christina personally. If there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's that long-term friendships are invaluable. Blessing my friends, Ryan Ryan. And he left his cell phone number. So I called that brother immediately. <laughs> and I call him up and I go, hey man, Andrew Gard got your letter. And he goes, dude, what's been going on the last 20 years? <laughs> And I just begin to share it with them, all that God has done, begin to share with them what God had done, not just at Grace City, but what he did when I was a campus pastor at Southeastern, what he did when I was a college pastor in Washington State, what he did when I was a college pastor in DC. And I just shared with them the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that have gotten saved because he tapped a 17 year old young man's shoulder and said, I'll take you up there if you want me to. Well, what's awesome is his son. And so, so I told Ryan, I said, hey man, you gotta let me do this. You gotta let me fly you guys out, send your family to Disney World. And I would really love it if you came to our, I think at that time it was like our four year anniversary, three or four year anniversary. And I says, dude, I, I want you to be here. And I, and I want you to see the fruit of what you did for me 20 years ago. And so he worked out, so, so they got to come out. Well, he brought out his 17 year old son. Well. His 17 year old son had been so impacted by what we were doing that he actually came out and actually goes to college in Lakeland so that he can go to college and be a part of the church. And, it's un and, and now I'm his son's pastor. Amazing. So, so, so here's the crux, here's where we land the plane on this. Who could not tell their story without including your name? not for your glory, but for the glory of God. But who in 10 years, who in 15 years is gonna be sharing their Jesus story and have to include your name? Can I tell you, that's what life is all about. I'm not saying go be successful in your, it helps the body of Christ when you're successful in your career and you're good at what you do. Come on, get good grades and get your education. Do all that stuff, but do not do that stuff at the expense at seeing the gorilla. The gorilla is life impact. The gorilla is how are you sacrificing for those around you? This is a great season to go, okay, I'm all in in Grace City, Tampa, because I wanna do what God has called me to do to make an impact on those around me. Come on, church, can we stand to our feet? And I'm gonna ask that we would bow our head and close our eyes. And I know I went, went a little long, but I'm just not with you every week. I wanted to take advantage of this moment we have together, but can, can we bow our heads? And I wanna ask two questions. First question is this, you're in this room right now and if you and I were to go out to lunch and I were to look you square in the eyes and I were just to ask you this simple question, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And if your answer is, ah, I don't know or no, or maybe he was 20 years ago, but I've walked away and you'd say, hey, I wanna come home today. I believe this is why you're in church right now. 
to ask God to forgive you of your sins and start you on a new track, that your name would be written in the Lamb's book of life, and not just when you die and go to heaven, although that is amazing, but God wants to give you a new kind of life right now where you're at. And if that's you, you just say, yep, I want Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins and I wanna start a life with him. When I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to do something simple that you would just lock out your elbow and lift up your hand and say, yep, pastor, that's me. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, the Bible says that today is a day of salvation. For some of you, this is gonna be like a birthday. And if that's you, ready, one, two, three. Go ahead and lift up your hand all across this room. Yep, it's awesome. Yep, see you right there, way to go. Anybody else, just kind of wave at me, way to go. Most, most important decision in your life, who is Jesus, he's Lord, way to go. You can put your hands down. Second question is this, you're in this room right now and you're following Jesus, but if you were honest, you'd say, man, I have not been living engaged. I've been living maybe overly confrontational about things that don't matter or avoiding confrontation altogether and say, no, 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 I want my name to be etched in people's story. I want you to lift up your hand all across this room. God, I pray right now you would give us eyes to see. God, I pray, God, when we go to work tomorrow, God, that you would turn our discerner on. God, that we would begin, God, to see people's needs, that we would begin to see people's pain, that we, that we would be able to see, God, our place in that. Lord, I pray when we go to school tomorrow, God, that we would see the pain and the hurt of our fellow students. God, I thank you, God, that you wanna use broken, ordinary people just like us. God, thank you so much, God, that you've put us in this place and in this time, God, to make a difference in the lives of others. Come on, church, can we lift up our voice and can we declare this? Come on. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.